This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Title of today's message is Another Look at the Prodigal Son. So another look at the prodigal son. You know, we hear the we hear the the story about the prodigal son preached basically the same way all the time. But the Holy Ghost started ministering to me about this, that there's all kinds of different ways to look at it. And the ways that I'm looking at it today, um, I'm not even going to cover the whole subject because there's this thing is just rich. The more I read it, the more I went over it, the more I thought, man, this thing is so powerful. I could have done a two week thing on this, but I thought, okay, I'll just try to make it into both. So, um, we're going to look at this uh, story both naturally and spiritually because it's going to relate to you in both ways. It's going to relate to you as a person in your, the life that you live. But it's also going to relate to you in a spiritual way. So, you know, you're going to have to be uh, tuned in on two wavelengths. You're going to have to be turned in on the, tuned in on the natural wavelength, and you're also going to have to be tuned in on the spiritual wavelength. So take notes, pay attention, follow along with your Bible, and uh, we're going to learn a lot today. Amen. So, um, you know, I happen to have, I'm, I'm reading out of the New King James today. Um, most of my studies my entire life have been out of the King James Version, and that's what most of my stuff is memorized out of. But um, I was talking to Pastor this morning, and I was reading my New King James, and I said to him, you know what? It says in my New King James Version Bible, it has a lot of subtitles, and it says, the parable of the lost son. And I said, I don't think that's right, because if I look at my King James, it says, and a certain man. So I went and I told Pastor this morning, I said, Pastor, you always told me, see, I listened to my pastor. I said, you always tell me that uh, a parable is a natural illustration to get across a spiritual truth. If the story that Jesus is telling is of a real person, he will say a certain man. So this is a story about a certain man, a real person. Okay, this is not a parable. Uh, the, the writers of the, the illustrators, the whatever they are of the New King James Version decided of their own that they would put that subtitle in there, but this is not a parable. Now the one before it of the lost sheep, that is a parable because they said it's a parable, but Jesus said over here in verse 11 where we're gonna begin, he said, and a certain man. So we know that the, that what I'm, we're gonna be reading this morning is about a real person. This really took place, okay? So pay attention. Don't talk to one another. Don't pay attention to one another. You focus on me. You know, it used to irritate me in school. And this is off the sidetrack. When I went to school, I went to school for a reason. The reason I went to school was to learn. The reason I went to school was to get good grades. The reason I got, wanted to get good grades is so I could go to college because my father always told me that I want you to go to college because if something ever happens to your husband, you'll be able to support yourself. So that's why I went to college. I didn't graduate from that college because in the middle of it all, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And um, this became my thing. I do have a three-year Bible degree. Um, but when I went to school, it really bothered me when people next to me were talking. 
because it took me off of my focus on what I was trying to learn. And you know what? It's the same way. It's, it's even more serious in here. Because a lot of times people, you don't know if they're on the verge of suicide or not. And just when they're getting to the point that's going to get through to them, that's going to change their mind, somebody decides that they're going to talk to one another and tell jokes and carry on during the middle of the church service. And what happens? The guy goes out and he blows his brains out. That's why when you're in the church service here, please don't talk to one another. Okay? Um, you know, I've said this before, but, you know, I'm the mom of the church and you're my kids, so I can say stuff to you, all right? I can say stuff to you and slap your little hand with the, with the, with the yardstick and say, knock it off. So please pay attention, okay, because this, this today is really important. Not only what I'm teaching today, but whenever a man or a woman of God is up here preaching, you need to pay attention. You know, I just say, no, I'm not, I'm not talking now. I'm not talking now. I'm listening. Okay. So we're going to go, uh, look at the, uh, cast of characters that are involved in this story. There's the father. There's the son. And there's a brother involved in this story. And so their actions or their reactions, uh, you need to keep in mind that the choices that one person makes in life, and you can look at this in your own life, a choice that one person, maybe it's you're the person, or one person in your life has made has changed the entire family, has affected the entire family in a bad way or a good way. And so we're going to examine this today, and we're going to find out, well, where do we fit in? Am I the son? Am I the father? Am I the brother? Where do I fit in? Maybe I'm more than one. And what are my reactions and what are my reactions supposed to be? And where am I off wrong and where can I get back in here right? Amen. Okay, so let's start reading. Again, I'm in the New King James. Should be on the overhead if you don't have a New King James. Uh, Let's start in Luke chapter 15, uh, verses 11. I'm going to start here. Then he said, yeah, amen. Then he said, Jesus is talking, a certain man. It's a true story. A certain man had two sons and the youngest of them said to his father father give me the portion of goods that falls to me he wanted it as inheritance if you read this in another translation he wanted his inheritance now he didn't want to wait till the pop died he wanted his inheritance now so the father it says so then he divided to them both sons got their inheritance then his livelihood And not many days after that, the younger son gathered together all his stuff and traveled to a far journey and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And so what what in the world does prodigal mean? You know, you think of the word prodigal. Well, if you look it up in the dictionary, prodigal means somebody that's wasting, wasting their money, wasting their life, stuff like that. To a born-again believer, we, we have begun to view a prodigal as a person who walks away and backslides from the things of God. Isn't that what you think? That's what I think. When I think of the prodigal son, I think, okay, this guy, he walked away from God. You know, but, it, it, but originally it meant a prodigal was one that went away and wasted all of his money, all of his living on stuff. Okay, so uh, let's look at verses 14 through uh, 16 here. But when he had spent all, the son... There arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. So a severe famine means uh, people were starving. People were dying because of starvation. 
Now, in the natural, there can be a whole lot of reasons why there's a famine in the land. It could be that there's a drought, that there's no rain to grow the crops. That could be one reason. Or it could be a, reason, a governmental reason, like look at Venezuela. The people are starving down there because it's a socialist nation. They ran out of money, so what do they do? They, the government feeds themselves, but they don't, the people aren't being fed. So they're starving. So there can be several natural reasons why there would be a famine in a land, but in the land. But back here during these biblical times, we would probably uh, presume that there was a drought in the land and therefore the crops were not growing and there was, you know, people were starving to death. So it says here he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself. I'm talking about the son. Then he went, verse 15, and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Now, Pastor Dave hit on this last weekend. You know, in a lot of uh, societies, uh, eating pork is, is not good. To the Jewish people, it's not good. You know, they will not eat pork, nor will Muslim people will not eat pork. It's like poison to them. So for the prodigal son... To have to to have lived in the lavish lifestyle that he had, to have inherited all the money that he did, to have wasted all the money that he did, and to end up um, hungry and having to go work with the pigs was an extreme insult. He went to the bottom of the barrel in his life. You know, sometimes I'll hear people say, what's it going to take in their life for them to turn up and look and say, Jesus, I need you? You know? Well, apparently this was this was a pretty good um, thing in the prodigal son's life because he got to the lowest of the lowest. He's out there feeding the pigs. Verse 16, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. Has anybody ever slopped the hogs? Anybody ever do that? Yay, raw for all you farm folks. Yes. Okay. Believe me, you don't want to eat what they eat. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, one way to look at this is through the eyes of the father. How many of you in here are parents? Okay, now this is going to be your viewpoint here. I'm sure that the father wanted both of his sons to be with him at home and with his business. How many of you like to have your kids with you? Makes you sad when they move away, go away, doesn't it? You want them with you. We know as we read further down that the father was wealthy because he had hired servants. And he was able to leave an inheritance, you know, to the sons. He had money. He was not not a poor man. So uh, through the eyes of the father, his son leaving left a big hole in the dad's heart or the mom's heart. You know, you put it either way, in the parent's heart. They go away. You're sad. You miss them. There's a hole there. Especially, you know, if they're going away and they're doing good, that's one thing. If they're going away and they're doing really bad in life, that's another, that's heartbreak time. That's another story altogether. And the, and the father was also sad because the son left the business. You know, a lot of us don't have our own businesses. But for people who do have their own business, they count on the children to be able to love that business as they do and to take it over someday. You know, some do, some don't. But that, that hurt the father. It left a hole when the son left because I'm sure that the son had certain jobs that he did. I'm presuming this was a ranch, a farm or something that that when he left, it put a burden 
on the rest of the people that were there. It probably put a burden maybe on the other son. It put a burden on the father. Because in a business like that, there's only certain things that the top folks can do, that the dad or the sons could do. And the rest of the hired hands, they weren't able to handle that job because they weren't trained, they weren't equipped for that job, you know, that type of thing. So the father, when the son leaves, has a hole in his heart and he has a hole in his business. Okay, you got that picture? So the son was thinking only of himself when he left and not of the welfare of the entire family. The father could see the immaturity of that son. Now, you as parents know how to read your kids, right? You know how to read those kids more than anybody else. And you know the mature ones and you know the immature ones. And so the father in this story, he he saw the, the immaturity of the younger son. He saw that. So parents, for the most part, aren't stupid. I mean, even though... We, you know, we have, maybe you never had the best parents in the world. Maybe you haven't been the best parent in the world. But just the fact that we've lived a long time, we're able to see stuff in life and we gather wisdom in life, right? And so um, his father knew all along that the son was going to squander his money, right? Wouldn't you know that? So why then did the father give him the money and let him go anyway? That's a thought. Why did he do that? Well, the father could have said, you can go, but you're not taking your inheritance with you. The father could have said that. But the father gave him his money and let him go. Maybe the wise father, it's just a thought, maybe the wise father knew that it would take his son losing everything before he would come to his senses. And the father was willing to let him lose everything. That's a thought. That's a thought. Okay, so. Coming back to the talking about the father here. Is worth more coming back to father God. Okay, we're switching gears here. Say say you're the prodigal. Say you walked away from father God. I'm switching from spiritual and from natural to spiritual now. Okay, so you got to get the switch, switch screens. You do this every day on your computer. We're switching screens over here. We're talking about spiritual things now. So coming back to God, the father is worth more than all the world has to offer. Nothing matters more than coming home to father God to a backslidden believer. Isn't that right? Okay. Not all the money in the world, not all the tea in China, none of the rest of that is going to matter. Um, I want to I want to say a couple things here. Now, parents, you how many of you you have you have kids? If you're a parent, you have kids, right? So your kids are raised in the same home, probably. They're raised in your home, right? You know, sometimes there's variables, there's step parents and blah 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 involved, but for the most part. You know, you've raised these kids in your own home, okay? As long as you were godly parents, now if you were idiots and, you know, druggies and alkies and the rest of it, you know, it doesn't matter a whole lot. But if you were a godly parent and you've got kids and some of them serve God and do the right thing and some of them don't and are out there living a sinful life or being prodigals, the Holy Ghost wants you to know it's not your fault, now, I'm talking about if you were godly parents, it's not your fault. Because you 
have done everything in your power to be a good parent, to be a godly parent, to raise your kids in church, to try to do the right thing with each one of your kids. But if you've got you've got kids, you know, they've 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 decided to stay in the church and do the God thing or they've decided to go out and just be complete and total sinners. It's not your fault. And that ought to set a lot of you free because a lot of times the devil will beat us over the head and he'll say, you were such a lousy mom. You were such a lousy dad. You know, you didn't do da 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 da. He will beat you over the head with it. But you just just say, I'm set free today. Say it. I'm set free today. They get to the point. It's their decision in life what they're going to do. Amen. It's not your fault. You did your part. If we get to the point as parents when our children grow up, they do leave the home. But, you know, what they do with their life, you know, we pray for them. Yes. You know, but my gosh. You know, we cannot beat ourselves over the head because we got a couple of kids that ended up being screwballs. Now, however, they don't have to remain screwballs forever because you can write this down. It's not on your notes. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is older, as he is growing old, he will not depart from it. The Bible also says that if you the word you sow the word, the word will not return unto you void. In other words, you sowed the word into these kids. You sowed the word into them. Sowed the word. Sowed them. I'm talking about adult kids. Sowed the word. Sowed the words. And your kids that are younger, you need to be sowing it now. You sowed that word. That word is in there. And God the Father said that word will not return to you void. Now I'm going to give you another scripture. That's not on your notes. Proverbs 11:21 says this. This is a promise to you if you've got some wayward kids out there in the world. The seed of the righteous. Are you righteous? If you're righteous, you can claim this. Okay? If you're not righteous, it's not yours. But hopefully everybody in here is righteous. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. I got that on my refrigerator at home. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. So it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what kind of messes some of these adult kids are in. God the Father says that if we remain righteous and true to God, that those our seed will be delivered. Amen. Man, is that powerful or what? I love that. You know what? Sometimes it doesn't matter. You know, God's he's got it. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. So um, back to my notes. Compare God the Father's heart. God the Father's heart to the heart of an earthly father. Father God hurts when one of his kids walks away. Let's talk about, let's talk about you as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Don't you just ache and hurt inside when one of your brothers and sisters walks away? Does it make you hurt or could you care less? It hurts. It especially hurts if you're a pastor because pastors pour their heart and their soul and their into people and try to get them on the right path. And if they walk away, we hurt, you know, I'm not going to say exactly like the father hurts because we can't, you know, but in the natural way we hurt. You hurt 
when one of your brothers and sisters in the Lord that's been serving God all of a sudden, they just decide, you know, they're going to walk away. What kind of nut, nuttiness is that? That's insanity. But it happens all the time. It will happen your entire Christian life. We have seen it for years and years and years and years. You know, people walking away, people walking away, people walking away. In comparison to spiritual things, you could say that the son had been born again in this story. He had everything in the kingdom. He had all of God's treasure. He had all of his father's treasure in, the, in this. The son did. But think about us as believers. We have all of God's treasure. We are in this place. What is God's treasure? It's his salvation. It's his deliverance. It's his healing. It's his peace. We can come into this place and feel the presence of God and all the yuck of the world is just washed away from us. We can feel his forgiveness. It's all part of the kingdom. We can feel his love. We can love one another. You know, all that kind of stuff. That's part of God's treasure. Amen. So in comparison, Father's house, his church, as I said, hurts when one of his kids walk away. They have everything in the house of God, but they choose to walk away. Why? Well, maybe they think that their way of living is better. That's rebellion, isn't it? They think that they put themselves higher than God. Well, my way, I'm smarter than God. You know, after all, this Bible was written X amount of years ago. And, you know, here we are in 2018 and yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? The word of God never changes. Never changes. God never changes. So that means we line up with him. He doesn't line up with us. Amen. Um, people that walk away from the house of God are oblivious to the workload that they're leaving, leaving a lot of times. With some walking away from the father's house leaves a hole in the, in the, in the family budget from which the church has to recover. In the local church, the pastor is the father. All the, all the members are the brothers and sisters of the family. To walk away from all of us is a selfish thing to do. You know? I mean, it's just a thought. Let's look at the, this thing through the eyes of the sun. Look at verse 14 again. It says, But when he had spent all, there arose a severe, a severe famine in the land, and he became to uh, be in want. So, you know, the stock market fell. There were no jobs available, and he began to be in want. You can look at it through modern times, you know. The stock market fell. There were no jobs. They all went to China or something. Psalms 23.1 says this. Now, keeping in mind, he had walked away from the things of God. He had walked away. So he was no longer under the protection or, nor under the provision of Most High God. He walked away out of it. He walked out of God's treasure, right? So Psalms 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But obviously, the Lord was not the shepherd of the prodigal son. At this point in his life, because he was lacking, he was in want of the bare necessities of life, food. Let's look at verse 15 again. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. He sent him into his fields to feed the swine. So there's, if you've ever, anybody ever been by a big pig farm? In the Midwest, oh, man, nothing smells worse than a pig farm. I mean, you can smell them. Cattle farms are fine. You know, I can handle that. Pig farms, oh, you ought to do yourself a favor. Just take a trip to the Midwest. Go out in the country. And you will know immediately if you're by a pig farm. They are bad. 
real bad. Real bad. And in verse 16, again, we talked about, so he was so hungry that the pig's food looked good to him. Okay, now, let's, let's look at verse 17. Now, this is about the son again. But when he came to himself, hallelujah, he woke up. He came to himself. He came to himself. His, his senses were open. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? He said, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your sons. Make me like one of your hired servants. So in his heart, the prodigal son repents. Now, a lot of people don't understand the meaning of the word repent. Repent means you're going this way and you make a 180 degree turn and you start going that way. You leave the filth behind and you walk straight into the arms of God and you start to do things God's way. He, He truly repented. I'm I'm just letting that sink in. You can give the people of God mouth service. And you can say, I'm going to start living better. But hey, proof's in the pudding. You know? True repentance means you turn from that lifestyle and you run to God. And you stay with God. That's true repentance. Now, I'm alluding to backsliders here, but that, that can also be people that have never received Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. They're, they're out there in the world as it is. You know, they're out there living, you know, like the devil anyway. And they become born again and they make the 180 degree turn and they're over here and they serve God. But backsliders, say this with me, say the most stupid thing in the world I could ever do. Is to walk away from God. Is that true? (laughs) That is very, very, very true. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to look at the eyes of the Father again. Let's look at verse 20. And he arose, the son arose, and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. And had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Wow. The father saw him coming home. The father sees us coming home. But you as a parent, you see your wayward kid coming home. Amen. What had the father been doing the whole time his son was gone? Well, obviously he was looking for him to come back. He prayed. He believed. I gave you two awesome scriptures today. You can stand on Proverbs 22, 6 and Proverbs 11, uh, 21. You can stand on that. He was standing on maybe standing on the word. Why do we know that uh, the father believed? Because he was watching for him to come home. He was watching for him. How many of you know how your own son walks? 
You know how your son walks. John, you know how little how little Sonny walks. At home in your house, it's nighttime. It's dark. You can tell if it's stormy walking down the hallway or if it's sunny walking down the hallway because you know the sound of their footsteps. Now, I've got five sons. They all walk different. Right? I got Big Ben. He lumbers. You know, he's a big boy. He lumbers. You know, Joe walks like this real fast and he only swings one arm. <laughs> Watch him the next time you see him. He holds one arm. It's not that he can't move that arm. It's just that he, I don't know how he learned to walk that way. How do you balance yourself just swinging one arm? But that's how he walks, you know. And then all the other boys, you know, Jason. Yeah, Jason, the oldest, he's the tall, tall and skinny one. What? He's He's always going like this, you know. Always going like that, and he'll stop and smoke his cigarette, which he shouldn't do. And he'll walk along, and he'll look around, and you know, da 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 da. You guys know how these two walk. Oh, swag! Swag's the word. Swag. I like the word walk. Anyway, even if it were dark, I would be able to tell the sound of their footsteps. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Back to the father. But while the father, while the son was away and he's believing, the father kept himself about his own business. His father had a business to run. Amen. God the father has a business to run. It's called all of us. Amen. And just because somebody walks away doesn't mean that God the Father is not tending to the rest of us. He's a good Father. Now listen to this statement. This is a nugget. When someone walks out of your life, you are left with life. And you have to live it. That's profound. I'm going to say it again because the Holy Ghost gave it to me. That's why I know it's profound. When someone walks out of your life, Many of us have had people walk out of our lives. We are left with life. We have to live it. We don't crawl up in a ball. We don't die. We have to live life. Sometimes we live life crippled. The story of Jacob's ladder talks about in the Old Testament. I don't even know where it's at, but it's back there. He wrestled with God, Jacob did. And he lived his entire life with a limp. Why did he live his life with a limp? Because he wrestled with God. So sometimes when we're left with a, with a, with a, uh, somebody walking out of our lives, maybe we walk with a limp. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a womb there that remains. You know, a scar, something that remains. But we've got to go on in life. Okay? Okay? Um, when someone walks away from the church, you know what we're left with? Church! We're left with church. And so, you know what? We go on and we do church. Amen? You know, Pastor and I, we've been pastors for a long, long time. I've been in church, you know, ever since I was a little kid. 
You see people come and go all the time, you know. But you know what? We're still here. We still do church. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to look at uh, verse 22. We're talking about the father again. Verse 22. But the father, you remember the son came back. He saw him coming. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. So they rejoiced with a feast and a party. Um, All was restored to him that he had lost. His son was dead and now he's alive. His son was lost and now he's found. And they celebrated. The Bible says there's more rejoicing in, in heaven among the angels over one sinner who turns. You know, all of heaven rejoices. God the Father rejoices. We as parents, we rejoice when our kids get themselves together and come back from where they've been out. If there has not been true repentance, the father would have known it. The father of the prodigal son was able to tell true repentance from lip service. There is a difference. True repentance from lip service. If the, if the son was just given the dad lip service, his position would not have been restored. There would not have been a party. There would have been, uh, I'm okay, you're saying this, I'm gonna trust and see if it's true or not. Trust and verify, you've heard that. I'm going to trust and see if what you're saying is really true. The father knew there was true repentance in this son. So many people disqualify themselves because they really don't have true repentance. They tell you what you think that they think you want to hear. And they disqualify themselves because that's not true repentance. That's lip service. I won't say that. Okay. The third way to look at this is through the eyes of the brother. The other son did not rejoice. He was not happy. Let's look at verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. Now remember, when the younger son left, he got his inheritance, but so did the older son. The older son stayed. Right? The older son is keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, doing the work. He's, you know, he's at the house. He's in the house of God. I mean, you know, you know, however you want to relate this to. He's at home. He's working, you know, whatever. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed a fatted calf. Wow. But, verse 28, the older son was angry and would not go into the party. And I'm not going to be any part of this. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. 
the father went out and pleaded with with the older brother. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandments at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, he doesn't call him his brother, he calls him his son of yours came, as who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fatted calf for him. So not only was the was the prodigal son out there spending all his money, he was uh, um, messing around with the women. I almost said a bad word. He was messing around with the women. The harlots, it says. What are harlots? Prostitutes. He was messing around with the women. So the younger, the, the, the older son, he's just he's just flat out mad. And the father said to him, "Son, you're always with me." And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. So think about the brother. You know, are you the brother? Can you relate to the son? Can you relate to the father? Can you relate to the brother? Maybe you can relate to the son and the father, but can you relate to the brother? It's not good if you can relate to the brother. The brother was a worker. He was out in the field. You know, he was doing the right thing. The the older brother was doing the right thing. He was in the house. He was doing his thing. He was working. And it made him mad that the other, the brother left. He didn't rejoice like his father and the others did. He was so angry that he wouldn't go into the, to the, to the, to the party. He was so angry. So does this sound like you? Do you become angry when, a, when, when one of your brothers or sisters in the Lord messes up comes back, is rejoiced over, and you don't like it. I'm just asking the question. You know, we already had communion. We already had judge yourself. Are you the son, the older son, that when somebody in the family of God here is messed up royally, comes back and repents, truly repents, doesn't give lip service, and is restored to their position and is rejoiced over, are you mad about it? It's up to the fathers of the house to know if somebody has truly repented or if somebody's given us lip service. All you can remember or see about them is their messed up life. It doesn't matter that they live their entire life in godliness. 99% pure or they messed up 1%. You stop looking at the 99% and you look at the 1%. The person comes back and repent. That makes them 100% again. Because Jesus said, As far as the east is from the west, I will remove your sins from you. If somebody truly repents... I'm going to say it over and over and over again. There's a difference between true repentance and lip service. A lot of times when we become believers, we just we just get kind of proud and puffy. We forget about the past life we lived that was all messed up. Right? You forget where you came from. You forget that you were just as messed up as the person that walked away in life and walks back to that mess. You were in that mess. 
Don't give me that. There's everybody in here has been in a mess before you came to Christ. And maybe even after you came, you came, you know, became born again. Maybe you're the prodigal. You walked away or something. You know, you forget from whence you came. Don't ever forget where you came from. Don't ever forget what God forgave you of. We serve a great big God, and he's an awesome God. Praise the Lord. Let me see here. What else we got going on here? <sighs> I'm thinking, I'm, pardon me. I'm thinking of our position as pastors, okay? In a church, there's pastors and there's sheep. Now, the Lord wasn't being very complimentary when he called congregation members sheep. Because of all animals, sheep are pretty stupid. I'm just telling you. I've been on a farm, I know. On my experience with sheep when I was a little kid, we lived in Maine. We had five sheep. My brother was going to show them in the 4-H fair. Sheep get out all the time, out of the fence. Just so happens that across the street from us was a truck farm. Well, you may not know what a truck farm is. A truck farm is a place where they grow vegetables and flowers. Our sheep got out, got into his garden. Eating his produce that he's going to take to market to sell. You know, sheep can be real dumb. They'll go out and they'll get themselves all hung up in the bramble bush. You know, they do stupid stuff like that. But... Pastors of a local church (laughs) are supposed to be anointed, supposed to be wise. Otherwise, wouldn't be in the position that God called us to. Not everybody's a pastor. And I'll just I'll just tell you this, too. It would behoove you if you don't go around playing pastor here. Yeah. You would not believe, this is off the subject, you would not believe the messes we have had to fix because sheep have gone around saying they represent High Desert Word Center and acting like sheep, like acting like pastors. And then we have to go around and pick up the mess. If you're not the pastor here, pastors, you know, we've got a couple, don't go out and represent us. Amen. In the community or here in this house because then we have to go clean up the mess. Because you're not anointed to pastor. If you were an anointed to pastor, you'd have your own church and you'd be the pastor, right? Okay, i got to keep going here. Okay, our desires as pastor is to restore sheep who wander away. To keep them from falling into the same messes over and over and over again. The people that come to High Desert Word Center hear the strong word here. I dare say you're not going to hear a stronger word anywhere in, in this city than you hear it right here. People that come here and hear this word and continue in their sin and ignore the word that is taught, this word, same word, you know, you've got it in your lap, they know they're flat out going to hell. Why do they know they're going to hell? Number one, we tell them. Number two, they read it in the word. People have a choice. You know, you can either straighten up and fly right with God or you can just flat out go to hell. The choice is yours. You know, he tells us that he doesn't make anybody serve him. 
Our choice, our, our, our job is to see if we can restore people so that they don't go to hell. Amen. Let's look at Galatians 6.1. I'll try to wind this up. Galatians 6.1. You know, who do you, who do you, uh, who do you associate yourself with? The son, the father, or the, or the brother? Galatians 6.1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, that's a sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Amen? You don't want to fall into the same pit that they're falling into. Sometimes that's easy to do because the people that fall away are sometimes people that you love. And sometimes those people you think, well, what they're doing isn't so bad. It's because you love them. But you can't, you can't let your natural love mess up with, with the love that the Father has that He set down. Amen? The Bible here in Galatians 6 1 says to restore such a one. Now listen to this. Sometimes you try to talk to that person. Sometimes you know it's useless. Right? And so you have to let them go their own way until they come to their senses. That's what the father of the prodigal son did. The son walked away. The father knew it was useless to talk to him. He just let him go. Right? How many of you have ever helped a brother or sister out in the Lord that's messing up? You know, sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. They don't listen, leave them alone. You know? What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to love and pray for the people? Do not ever condone the sin. Do not ever say, oh, I understand, you know, God made you different. That's why you like men and women and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. That's not, that's not what the Word says. You never condone the sin. Never. You do not facilitate the sin. You do not make it easy for them to sin. You lay them at the feet of Jesus. A lot of times you just have to pretend like you're picking them up and you just put them at the altar. Just leave them there. Say, Lord, it's yours. You keep the the switch of faith turned on because you have to live life. You have to go on. Let's see what Matthew 9.12 says. I want to know how many people in here are perfect. I want to bow at your feet if you're in here and you're perfect. Okay. Nobody in here is perfect. Wow. That's pretty good. Look at verse 12. Matthew 9:12. Jesus said to them, Those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick. So the local church isn't filled with perfect people, is it? It's filled with people like you and I who mess up sometimes. Amen. And that's why we're in the house of God. Right? Amen. Okay. Now, I want to just throw this out to you. Think of this again. Think of the sun. We're going to focus on the sun. This screen over here is the sun. What if he came back to the Father And he began accumulating wealth again. And now that he was home, he decided again that he was going to go back out into the world and squander it all again. 
and return to his own sinful lifestyle. Think about that. You cannot keep coming back and doing right for a little while and then walk back away out of God's house or God's thing, come back, do right for a little while, go back out and think it's okay. That's a slap in the face of God. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 5, 5. This is one of those you can hear a pin drop in the house messages. <laughs> We're not rejoicing and running the aisles, are we? Okay, 1 Corinthians 5, 5. This is a really heavy verse. Do you think you can handle something heavy? Verse 5 says, To deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you ever read that and wondered, what does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. You find a lot of these kind of stories in Brother Hagen's books, if you read his books. He talks about people that in and out of church, in and out, 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 in and out of the things of God. You never know one day if they were going to be serving the Lord, if the next day they were out there, you know, down at the tavern or whatever. You never, you never knew. But Brother Hagen talks about it, about people that all of a sudden they get right with God again. And then they die. It's not, they're not old enough to die. But why did they die? They died because God the Father knew that this guy's, this gal's horsing around. They've come back to me for this finite second before they run off into the world again. And he takes his hand of protection off of them and they die. What happens? They're right with God right then. They go to heaven. In God's eyes, it's far better for that person to be in heaven with him than to fall away again. That's that's a heavy verse. And we do not go around saying, oh, I'm turning all Aunt Toots over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh. You know, no, we don't do stuff. <laughs> no. This isn't, a, this isn't a, a permission slip to go out and turn everybody you're mad at over to Satan for the destruction of, you know what I'm saying? You know, you, you ought to keep your hands off of this lest you be the one that's turned over your mirror. You know what I'm saying? Let's look at Galatians 6 again. Oh my goodness. Galatians 6. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Uh, verses 7 and 8. says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh, you know, sinful things, fleshly desires, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. We can't fool God. 
You know, you can't say, well, I'm going to I'm going to go sin for a while and God will forgive me because God's a loving God and he understands. You know, you hear this garbage all the time. No, God is a just God. Amen. I'm going to read a scripture to you. You don't have to look it up if you don't have a new living. Jude in the new living in verses 22 and 23 says this. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Show mercy. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others. But be careful that you aren't contaminated by their sins. Pastor had a younger brother. We led to the Lord. You know, his whole family was full of alcoholics. He had a young brother that, that he had led to the Lord. And he had this guy, he was doing great. He even raised somebody from the dead. And there was a there was a death in the family, and so the samples tradition was everybody goes to the tavern, correct? Everybody goes to the tavern. So this certain brother decided that he was going to go back into the tavern and get all of his drunk relatives saved. Well, guess what happened to the brother? He returned to alcoholism and drugs. And I mean, it wasn't pretty people, <laughs> you know. So see, see, that's a natural uh, 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 example of why you don't want to go back to where they are and you get contaminated by their sins. That brother really never came out of that. No, he never really did. He's in heaven now because maybe he was turned over for Satan to destruction of his I have no idea, but pastor, you know, talked with him. He got right with God. And then, you know, and a day or two later, he was gone. He was a young man. He wasn't old enough to die. So who do you associate yourself with? Do you associate yourself with the father of the story? Yeah, a lot of us do. Do you associate yourself with the son? Were you a prodigal? Or do you associate yourself with the brother? You forget where you came from and now you're throwing stones. I'm done, Josh. Now watch how he walks. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.